What's going on, everyone? My name is Hayden Magnamy, of course, and uh, this is 20 Minutes or Less. And on this episode, I am joined with uh, Dennis McKenna. How are you today, Dennis? I'm very well. How are you? I'm very you well. <laughs> this, uh, this episode is very special to me because, uh, as I just told Dennis, uh, as some of you may know, I worked for uh, a movie making or uh, a film company called Hemmings House, and I've actually had the CEO on before, Greg Hemmings. But uh, the very first thing that they gave me to work on was a podcast called the DMT Podcast. And during that podcast, um, Dennis Dennis McKenna was actually on it. And so it's kind of coming full circle for me right now on how I edited the podcast he was on and now you're on mine. So I think that's so interesting. I, it's funny how life works sometimes. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, you know, what goes around comes around. It's interesting that you should mention Greg Hemmings because, uh, you know, he's a great guy, as you know, really nice fellow and uh, very creative. And we're actually getting into a big project with him. Really? Uh, yeah. You asked about uh, the McKenna Academy and uh, one of the things that we're going to be doing in 2021 is do a documentary uh a couple of them actually, uh, but about traditional medicine in the Amazon in Peru and kind of looking at the state of that after it's been impacted by COVID and ayahuasca tourism and all these, you know, change, uh, change uh, stimuli, I guess you could say, and just look at the current state of that situation. There's a, a person in Peru that I've worked with for a long time, a botanist, who is the uh, director of the herbarium at the University in Iquitos, Peru. And uh, he and I have been friends for 40 years. I, I first contacted him when I went there as a graduate student in 1981. Uh, and Juan has an incredible amount of knowledge of the plants and the medicinal properties and traditional uses and and all that and he's kind of a unique character he's got one foot in science and one foot in traditional medicine and so he's really a scientist basically yeah but he had so much knowledge and none of it's documented or written down so what the project that we're working on with greg is to try to document some of that knowledge that he has personally, and then also do a survey of what the current status of, uh, you know, what is going on with these traditional healers, what's happened to the ayahuasca retreat centers, the, of which there are many, many in Iquitos, or, you know, almost a couple hundred. But COVID has, has changed all this, you mm -hmm. know, so we're going to we're going to be working on that documentary uh, this this year, and uh, that's it, it's really it's really fun to be working with Greg on this. That make that sounds that sounds like one of the greatest things that I feel like the world really needs to hear at the moment of what's going on with the rainforests and uh, all the traditional medicines and everything like that. The McKenna Academy. Do you? 
do you mind delving into it a little bit on how it started and uh, what the mission of it is? Sure. Well, it started, uh, I, I started when I came to Canada in 2019, and uh, I've long wanted to, uh, you know, I, I'm basically an academic at heart. I've taught at universities all my life. I don't have any university affiliations anymore. I, I gave those up, but uh, but I enjoy teaching and I enjoy learning, and uh, I wanted to create the academy as a a place for people to learn about the natural world. That's why I called it the Academy of Natural Philosophy. And the idea of it, the, the, the model or the template, if you will, for the academy is the mystery school, uh, the Greek mystery schools, of which the, the most famous was Eleusis. And Eleusis uh, was a, you know, a cult of Demeter and Persephone, but it was basically a psychedelic mystery school. People would go make a pilgrimage and come to Eleusis and they would have an experience around drinking some potion. They don't say what it was, and it's been a matter of controversy, but they would have these experiences which was kind of an initiatory thing for them. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, they were not supposed to talk about it. It was a big mystery, but it, everybody who was anybody in Greek society at that time had to make a pilgrimage to Eleusis and undergo this initiation. So the Academy is kind of like that, but it's a 21st century version, uh, uh, obviously, we don't, uh, uh, you know, we don't serve ayahuasca or other psychedelics. It's kind of hard to do that online anyway. Yeah. But, uh, but eventually, once we can travel and and have physical events, we do these retreats in South America, which we have been doing before we even started the academy. So this is kind of a continuation of that. But I, I wanted to formalize it as a place for learning and self-education. And, uh, and a lot of the mission of the Academy is to bring traditional knowledge and modern scientific knowledge to get together. And uh, when it comes to, to psychedelics, of course, uh, you know, shamanic cultures, traditional cultures have been using these things for thousands of years. And uh, they have learned a few things about how to use them. And I think, I think psychotherapy and psychiatry can benefit from that fusion. And at the same time, psychiatry and mental health care has its own, its own, you know, body of knowledge. So we're trying to bring these two things together and create something that is different, you know, than either one, because you can't really, you know, psychedelics are unlike any other medicine that's ever been, uh, it's ever been attempted to bring into mainstream medicine. You know, you can't do it without, without revolutionizing mental health care. You basically have to burn it down and build it back from the ground up mm -hmm. if it's going to be compatible with these, uh, these psychedelic medicines. It's a completely different therapeutic model, you know, very different from uh, 
you know, take two and call me in the morning. Yeah. You know, I've got to work with psychedelics. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I know what you mean. But, um, uh, yeah. Sorry, just taking a drink or something. Um, something that I remember you saying uh, was uh, uh, on the DMT podcast was, um, and I'll try and direct quote it as much, as much as possible, but I believe it was the first, the first time I, or saying it as you, but it was the first time that you took DMT, uh, was I obtained DMT, me and my friends obtained DMT from my infamous brother and we went out into the desert and we bow assayed. Is that true? Is that? Yeah. That, that's pretty much true. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't, it was not the desert. We were up in the mountains, but uh, okay. Yeah. I got that, that wrong. Other than that, it's true. That's, yeah. that's what we did. Yeah. And I was, I was, uh, what was I? I was like, uh, 17 at the time, mm -hmm. 16 at the time. First yeah. time I took DMT. And if you could, if you could, describe that experience and i know it, like it's a crazy thing to describe and it's so hard to even comprehend it but if you could describe it in any certain way how would you describe that very first time well i had no idea really what to expect you know mm -hmm. other than what my brother had told me and at the time he was saying you know this is like the alternate reality mm -hmm pill but it's not a pill you smoke it of course but but so i was kind of prying to for that in a sense i thought that would be my expectation and uh you know it wasn't dis it wasn't disappointing in that way it was like completely it was like it if you've ever taken you know it completely obliterates this reality mm -hmm. uh and you're in another place that seems as real or more real than this reality. And, uh, but it's also the thing about DMT is if you smoke it, it's very short, you know, only 20 minutes or 30 minutes at the outside usually. So you're barely able to get your head around what's going on before it's all over, or it's, it's definitely on the downside. That's one of the frustrations for me with DMT. Uh, and I think one of the limitations for its use as therapy is it's so fast that, you know, it's kind of like being hit by a freight train or something. You know, holy shit, what was that? Yeah. You know, you don't bring much more back from it than just a sense of astonishment. Maybe some people do. But I, that was a, a limitation for me, in, in a sense, that not enough time to spend in that state, mm -hmm. which is one reason that my brother and I, in, in, in 1971, we went to South America in search of this orally active form of DMT, which later, uh, I mean, it was not ayahuasca, only later was it understood that effectively ayahuasca is an orally active form of DMT. But we had heard of this other much more obscure psychedelic that was based on DMT, derived from the same plants, the varolas, which are used to make snuffs by various tribes. Yeah. But this was an oral preparation. So we hoped that it would last longer. Basically, that was the naive assumption. If we could just spend more time in that dimension, we could understand what, what was going on. 
by the time, you know, the, the quick sort of poke your head into that place that you get on DMT and you look around and all these crazy things are going on. It's kind of, it really is kind of like a parallel reality. And you just kind of poke your head through the hole. You look around, there are all these weird entities and all this stuff. They're very, it's very cartoonish. You know, it's like some kind of hyperspatial amusement park or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, it's quite overwhelming. It's quite interesting. Usually you get a sense that when you take it that these entities or whatever they are, my brother liked to call them machine elves. They, they don't really present to me as machine elves, but there's a definite sense of an intelligence there. Mm -hmm. And they're usually happy to see you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, kind of like, what took you so long? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that kind of thing. So, uh, so we went to South America looking for this orally active form of DMT, and that, you know, that that is the whole story. And you know, I I won't get into that, or we'll never get off this call. But people can yeah. read about it. And yeah, Terence's book, The True Hallucinations, True. or my book, The Brotherhood of the Screaming Abyss. Yeah, but it was DMT that really got us focused on 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 psychedelics as such. I mean. You know, my brother was in Berkeley at the time, and I was in Colorado wanting to be in Berkeley. He was kind of in the middle of it all. And, uh, uh, you know, there were other psychedelics. LSD mostly was around, and uh, occasionally you could get mescaline and things like that. But DMT was very rare and back in the late 60s. I mean, it was around, but you had to know how to get it, where to get it. And Terrence was very good at working the matrix. So so we had DMT and we were both highly impressed by it. Yeah, It was like, you know, I mean, it was like LSD. Yeah, LSD is interesting, masculine. Yeah, but this, this is a whole other order of strangeness. Yeah. And, uh, and so we were fascinated by it. And, and at the time, we, uh, you know, we weren't really, we weren't really oriented towards shamanism or mysticism in some ways. We were, we were actually uh, steeped in science fiction at the time. We were both science fiction nuts. And, uh, and what was appealing about DMT is that it really does seem like a different place, another dimension. And, uh, we took that for what it was worth, you know, we, we said, okay, well, maybe it is another dimension. So, uh, and, and, you know, 50 years downstream from that, I can say, well, I can say much less about it. Let's say, I wouldn't say it's another dimension, but I wouldn't say it isn't either. Yeah. Because it really is very strange. Uh, but you know, uh, you get into this area where you can't, you have to be careful about the words, the terminology you use for these things, because it's very easy to use simple words, but they have complex meanings in yeah. the sense that people ask me, well, is DM, are these entities you see on DMT, are they real? Well, 
anything you experience is real, mm. right? I mean, I take that as a datum. If you experience, it's real in the sense that you have, you have experienced something, you know. But are the entities out there somewhere? I don't know. You are they know, out or, there? Or are they, or are they all around us? Excuse me. I said, are they are they out there, or are they all around us, and we just can't see them? It's something that we don't know. Or or are they inside of us? Are they a part of ourselves that we normally do not have access to, mm. and presents as though it was not part of ourself? You know, that kind of a splitting of the self and reflecting back on yourself. You know, I mean, you so these. This terminology is not adequate to describe it, and I, you know, uh, and, and I, I don't really think you can say, like, you're back, you know, to the, to the, uh, you know, to the central conundrum. Are they real or not? Well, yes, they're real because you experience something, mm -hmm. and any, and if you think about it, experience is all we have. You know, so we get into some deep philosophical territory, you know, uh, nothing that, I mean, we have nothing but experience. That's the only datum that we have, whether it corresponds to any external reality is really hard to say. It is, yeah. Something like you and your brother are... And I'm sure you know this, but especially now, because I'm in all these communities and stuff, and I'm going to be honest, I, I actually have never taken any psychedelic drug, but the communities behind them and stuff, you and your brother are viewed as gods, almost, in, in these communities, because of it. you weren't guys that just took the drugs and then talked about it a little bit. You, and like you said earlier, you went on these adventures to find new things and to figure things out, and you actually studied these and put the knowledge out there for so many other people. And not only did, was your lives revolved around drugs, it's right here in front of us, is that you you opened the McKenna Academy as also uh, as a way to show some people some things about drugs, but also there's a lot in there about medicine in the rainforest and stuff like that it's not all about drugs and that was a lot of things with terrence and stuff too because right. terrence was a truth seeker uh, uh, that's what i've heard him been called multiple times on different social media accounts and everything you two were our you two men are gods uh, among a lot of people well, yes, we are. I, I don't think that reputation is deserved. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad that we're looked up to in that sense. But people, uh, you know, people should understand that. You know, they are gods too. <laughs> yeah. You know, in a certain way, we're all seeking to understand the world, whatever tools that we have. And in that sense, Terence and I were no different than anyone else where i mean I, I i call myself a curious monkey yeah you know i'm a monkey for sure and i'm curious and i think curiosity is an important trait to have because curiosity number one 
it drives inquiry, it, it drives science. I mean, science runs on curiosity, a wish to understand how things are, how things work, how the world's put together. That, so it's this curiosity and wonder that drives inquiry. And in that sense, I'll take credit for that because we were curious, but any, any person that pauses to think about how strange everything is and just, just how unlikely our existence is, is curious and, and you got to wonder. And I think that the, the psychedelics are useful tools for, uh, for a number of things that they, they're, they're tools for reminding us for one thing, how little we really know about the world and what's out there. You know, when you consider that, uh, you know, on the biochemical level, DMT is only two steps away from from tryptophan. Tryptophan is an amino acid that is a component of proteins. Every living thing on this planet contains tryptophan, and many and and DMT is only two steps away from tryptophan. That's kind of profound when you think about it. You know that. You know, here is this transformative molecule that enzymes that are common in every cell can make this transformation. And if you take it in the right combination, you know, I mean, it's interesting that DMT is not orally active, right? So you have to smoke it or inject it or snuff it or take it with an MAO inhibitor as with ayahuasca and that breaks down the, uh, that inhibits the enzymes that break it down and render it orally active. Uh, but once you have that experience, you realize there's a world of wonder out there just around the corner that you might never suspect, you, you know, and, and, and you, you, you can, you can make tea out of DMT containing plants all you want, but if they don't have an MAO inhibitor, there won't be any effect. So, I just think it's interesting that, you know, there is this powerful psychedelic that is so close to primary metabolism in plants, two enzymatic steps away. And as a result of that, it's not uncommon. You know, I sometimes say nature is drenched in DMT. It, there are literally tens of thousands of plants that contain DMT you know, uh, probably many more than we even know about. Uh, only a few have reached the point where, you know, they've been recognized by indigenous people. They've been, you know, uh, made preparations from them and, and so on. But they, uh, there are many, many, many species that contain DMT. It's not an uncommon compound in the plant world. Now, so we are running just at a time, just a little bit. But before I before I go, I Dennis, if if people wanted to support or maybe or look into more of the McKenna Academy, how would they do so? Easy. You just go to the website. It's uh, I'll put it in the text box here. Uh, it's McKenna dot Academy. Basically, mm -hmm. they can visit the website. Uh, if they want to donate, they can support it that way. If they want to look at some of the material we have up there, uh, uh, 
you know, we, we've been doing some online symposia and, and various things. So there are some, it's basically we're expanding our website, but there's a lot of things posted. We have basically two sections right now, uh, events, which we have done, but you can still register. They're all recorded because we did we use Crowdcast. So even the events we did in April uh, and more recently in September, you know, you can register for those and and uh, and watch all the videos. Uh, that's all still up there, and uh, and then uh, so that that's the way to see what we're up to. And we put out a newsletter. So again, if you go to the website, you can uh, sign up for the newsletter, and then you'll be up to speed on whatever we're doing. And uh, and as I say, it looks like uh, the way things are are shaping up for the for 2021 it's going to be focusing on making these documentaries with with greg and a, a bunch of other really talented folks so that's that's going to be our major focus although we will be doing a podcasts and and some online uh events as well mm-hmm. and, but uh uh that's yeah, just just follow the website if you want to stay up to speed with what's going on. Yeah. Well, Dennis, I would like to thank you very much for joining me here. Uh, it means a lot to me, and thank you very much. Okay, well, thank you for having me. Yes. Very, yeah, um, I hope we covered enough in 20 minutes. So we I did. like your commitment to brevity because these things tend to, drag out for hours sometimes but <laughs> I, I guess we got the basics in so so thanks a lot okay. Aiden. i appreciate it let, uh, let me know when it's posted so i can link it on our website of course and this is at the point in every single podcast where i say that's that